Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Malcolm! Are we shooting people or what? I'm talking about millions in Kuwaiti bullion. You mean them little cubes you put in hot water to make soup? No, not the little cubes you put in hot water to make soup. Stay back! Orders from President Bush! You open that door now. Where's the gold? Saddam stole it from the sheiks. I have no problem stealing it from Saddam. Did you inform this gentleman we need a vehicle of some kind? Cannot take. We definitely take. Many nations, many nations. Those working together. God bless America! Right. God bless the free Iraq! Now, what do you say, my friend? <laughs> Cannot give car. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll buy them. can't take it to the Iranian border. Then we don't have a deal. We just saved your life. And we saved yours. Something happening here. Yeah, yeah. We can help these people first and then we'll be on our way. Bush told the people to rise up against Saddam. Now they're getting slaughtered. Warner Brothers presents George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice Cube. Hello? Honey, it's me. Troy? Oh, my God! When are you coming home? Well, I'm working on that right now, baby. So, I, I wanted to start this off because I think we've mentioned it before. I don't know if it's come up in this podcast, but, uh, you know, war movies, uh, in particular with films dealing with war, uh, starting from, I guess, uh, anything to do with Iraq, the Gulf War, uh, on up, uh, don't usually do so well at the box office, but no. I believe I believe this one was a modest hit when it released in 1999. I mean, that's my recollection too. If only there was a way we could we could check these facts. Let's see, uh, 107.7 million. I don't know if that's domestic or worldwide or what. 
So we'll we'll just we'll just say that it did it did all right. It did better than uh than most. You know, I, I think it certainly did better than uh, Jarhead or anything of that ilk that's that's come after. So um, from and also from what I recall, I think they tried to lean, uh, you know, heist movie, uh, broad comedy at times in the in the trailers. I, I think they were really emphasizing the sort of goofy nature. Uh, at least the, the the pitch, the concept, the the mission that these guys were on for this one. Uh that's you know that's my recollection. I haven't, I didn't go back and look at the marketing materials. I, I looked at everything else except that. I, I listened to uh, the commentary with uh, David O. Russell himself, and, and I watched like some video diary, and I watched some deleted scenes, and I read up about the some of the onset feuds and everything that that happened. Uh, which I think are pretty well talked about today. No, I mean, well, David O. Russell, I, I think he's got a pretty solid reputation of having feuds with um, a number of different actors. He's got he's got definitely got people that uh, like Jennifer Lawrence that uh, seem to really uh, back him and like working with him. But I know I know there was that uh, YouTube that video that leaked out of him and I believe was it Lily Taylor, Lily uh, Tomlin. Tom, um, that's it. You know, having it out. Give, on, give uh, Lily Taylor Huckley's. some credit. I mean, she took on uh, Hugh Crane. Uh, you know, she could take on David or Russell. I think that would be easy. Uh, uh, I, I tell you, it is so weird how much we go back to the haunting <laughs> <laughs> for a movie we didn't like. We we mentioned it with reference. Uh, strangely, uh, yeah, David or Russell on this one, and George Clooney uh, basically uh, parted ways, uh, got into some some shoving match and, or something. I want to correct something too. I want to correct something too. Jennifer Lawrence is now kind of abandoned David O. Russell, uh, despite oh. having made three films of him and said that, you know, she, you know, did not have good times, uh, you know, on those sets. So, Oh, wow. So, that, so that's a little Johnny come lately to the, the cancel culture there on that one. Cause <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney was leading the, the pack on that. And, uh, Lily Tom, I know, I remember reading Amy Adams felt similar as far mm-hmm. as American hustle. Um, and even Mark Wahlberg, uh, has had a falling out with him, but I think that was, because uh, he didn't get the part in Silver Linux Playbook. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of wreckage, carnage uh, in dealing with uh, David O. Russell. Uh, and I guess this was kind of the start of it, because I remember that was these were the stories before it even released. It's like, oh, the, the lead actor and filmmaker didn't get along, and it was like a troubled production. Um, but then it came out to... Uh, uh, rave reviews and uh i i think i think has stood the test of time maybe maybe not so much i heart huckabees but i'm pretty sure this one uh is still looked upon as like uh a classic from 1999 so you know what was your take then and what's your take now so i'm glad that i saw it that when i saw it in 1999 i didn't know anything about you know any of that and i was just able to take it in for what it was and and i remember being pretty floored by it because and this is going to sound kind of juvenile but just you know there you, there was a there was a general agreed upon uh thinking that a, an awards caliber movie an a-list movie a movie that gets rave reviews or whatever they would always be certain kinds of films you know like saving private ryan or you know this you know anything you you can think about um the idea that a that a movie could be getting that kind of talk and be just an extremely entertaining you know uh comedy war comedy like this uh was was really quite something uh for me as a kid like i just uh, you know 
at the time, I really never thought that a movie like that would have any sort of play with, with those people. Um, that being said, that being said, I think, I think it's weird that David O. Russell's other movies past this have sort of colored my perception of watching, of watching it today. Uh, uh, you know, I found it still very entertaining and very fun. And, and, uh, in particular, you know, this, uh, you know, macro close up or whatever of, of showing what a, what a, a bullet does to a human body when it, you know, you know, when it goes through and, uh, uh, destroys tissue and all that. Um, you know, that was talked about, I remember when it first came out and that's still talked about today. And that was the first time you had ever seen anything like that in a movie. Um, like it, you really can't like, like, you know, I, you know, I, I challenge you to find a, a similar shot to like that in a movie prior to this. And I, and I don't think there is one, um, that, the, yeah, that all being, that all being said, I think there are some definite weaknesses in the story, uh, today, uh, that, and I think, I think in particular they have to do with how things are wrapped up in the third act, uh, and, and just the basic setup of how things, you know, uh, get going. Um, yeah, that all being said, I still find it very entertaining to me, to me, despite this movie having commercial success in 1999, I think, I think it's, it's totally eclipsed, uh, by Jarhead in 2005 in terms of being oh, the definitive go. Gulf War Sam movie. Mendes. Look, look, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, come here. on. <laughs> you know, you, you like Jarhead as well, so don't pretend like you don't. Um, you know, Jar- Just trying to get us away from your, your fawning over the man from a few episodes back for American Beauty. Jarhead was a very polarizing film when it came out, but I think there's a lot more reverence for it today. Uh, and I do think that if you, you know, if you had to say that there was only you know, one definitive golf four movie that it would, it would be Jarhead. And I think Jarhead would edge out three Kings, you know, just a bit, um, you know, but so go ahead. What, what's your take on it today? Uh, so the, the stuff I liked as a teenager, like the, uh, you know, seeing what the bullet does to a body or just the, um, I, I don't know. There's in particular, I'd forgotten the initial, I guess the, the shootout, the sort I guess the end of act one, uh, where, these guys who are in it for themselves at mm-hmm. the end of the war uh, decide to to throw down and to attempt to save these people, um, even though they could just they could get away with the gold there uh, as long as they were comfortable with watching uh, civilians being shot by this defeated army. Um, I'd, I'd forgotten how often Russell sort of leans on this these sort of uh, they're they're almost like stylistic crutches, like he. Mm-hmm didn't want to just film a shootout <laughs> like because it, he couldn't figure out a way to make that uh, interesting or, or dramatically satisfying to him. But for me, it kind of puts a, it puts a barrier up between myself and like what's, you know, seeing an innocent person, a mother being shot in the head. Uh, and then these guys who are totally mercenaries at that point, that particular point uh, decide to do the right thing. Uh, and then, later on in the film. So it's like, I'm blaming Russell in that instance for the, the style and the sort of tone of it. And then later on in the film, I'm almost blaming Clooney. Cause there's a moment, uh, where you know, they, they have to, they, it's a series of incorrect decisions, but I guess morally the, the right choice, uh, to make, uh, that they, they keep, you know, getting themselves in a worse position. Um, 
and that's going against uh, the commanding officers. It's going against like sort of each other at times. But at the very end, when they're trying to get these people to to cross into to safety uh, at the border, uh, there's a moment where it sort of pans across our our sort of our, our three kings here, I guess. And you have you know you have just the briefest of moments where Clooney's character is like got tears in his eyes. And I felt like, okay, so was that like a movie star like pulling rank there, saying like, no, I want my like sort of hero moment. Um, I mean, totally, it is all over the place, and at times that's that's admirable, uh, and it has this sort of goofy out there vibe to it. Uh, but then other times, I I do want them just to play it sort of straight, just play it straightforward. Um, just you know, if they they draw their weapons, they just sue each other, and it's over with quickly. Uh, and now they're in this fix, and I also. On the flip side of that, I don't need to see uh, Clooney, like that one extra beat of him, like really emoting. So you know that he cares because his actions have proven to us that he, he cares to a certain degree. He's put himself at great, great risk professionally and financially to do the right thing. So, um, yeah, I was probably a little more muted uh, this time around. Uh, and maybe that's just looking at it not with teenage eyes, just thinking this is, oh, this is cool just because it's. You know, it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're supposed to make her feel good about the stories that we want, not push the stories that we don't want. And you don't walk away from her and go and screw another journalist. I never wanted this job, Ron. Your work in Iraq was over. Done. I'm trying to help you out. And if you play your cards right, maybe she'll hook you up so you can consult with the media back home. Fuck that. Fuck that. What, where are you going? You got your star clenched. Oh, so now it's my fault that you plateaued a long time ago. I don't even know what we did here. Don't even start that with me. This has been Just a tell me set. what we did here, what do you Rod. Want to do? Occupy Iraq and do Vietnam all over again? Is that what you want? Is that your brilliant idea? Fuck it. I'm retiring anyway. Until you do, you're an army officer. You're still taking care of that reporter. So do it right. So yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed it uh, quite a bit, and I definitely enjoyed it more than uh, Russell's other work. Um, you know, I, I doubt that I would probably find like I heart Huckabee's as amusing as I did then as a, as a young man. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little bit, uh, I, I came into this thinking like, Oh, this is like an easy top 10 of 1999. This is like one of the big films. And now I'm, I'm wondering, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it would sit up quite that high for me. Well, I'm surprised, but I guess pleasantly, um, cause I thought, I thought you would be a big defender uh, of this and everything. And I think we're kind of both on the same page. I, you know, I find it very entertaining and very enjoyable, but I don't know if the heavier themes are, I don't know if it really seals the deal when it comes to all that. Uh, so early on in the movie, it's set up that Clooney is, you know, this disillusioned, uh, career, uh, army officer, but we don't re- but you know, he sort of seems, more like kind of like laissez-faire and like, you know, like he's going to sleep with people and and get drunk and all that. But then he has this big, you know, kind of semi-speech about, oh, what did we do here? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, And it just feels very half-hearted. It doesn't feel uh, set up properly. Uh, I don't really, I don't really understand exactly, you know, in which way, in what way is he disillusioned? It feels borrowed from like other movies mm. that are like this. Yeah. It doesn't feel sp- unique and specific to this character. Like, like, you know, I feel like maybe we needed more backstory to, to kind of understand uh, what, you know, why like, like, and then there's nothing really noble about their initial, you know, quest here. So, y- y- you know, like, like, so, so, 
I feel like maybe they should sort of ditch all that. I think, you know, make it, you know, um, more irreverent and escapist in nature. Uh, and, and I think, cause I just think the heavier themes, um, you know, they, they, they're, they come close, they come close, this scene between Mark Wahlberg and, um, you know, the, uh, Iraqi military that who are, you know, torturing him and everything, uh, you know, it's very moving and good. And Russell has a lot of good choices there, but, you know, by the end, by the end of it, by the end of it, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not exactly, uh, satisfied, uh, with, with how things, you know, wind up, you know? I, I think, uh, and I, I sort of teased it, I guess, at the, uh, in the last episode, but I, I think Spike Jones, his character is the one that comes off the best. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I find the most interesting because he is, he's the, the idiot. Um, he's the, the hillbilly, uh, but he, his arc, like to me, um, it, it feels, um, feels real. And like, I actually have like a great deal, a great deal of sympathy for him. Cause he, like his one sort of through line is that he is loyal to, uh, like the men that he sort of stood beside. And in particular, the Mark Wahlberg character of Troy, like he's, you know, he's very concerned for his fellow man in that regard. Now, He's also, you know, he's also sort of like openly uh, says racist mm-hmm. uh, things, uh, but he, he says them legitimately out of ignorance, not even really knowing what he's talking about. Um, and he's a character that like does seem to have the best interests of like his fellow man at heart, even if it's like a complete stranger. Like he seems he's the one that is left on his own as the, and is the most troubled about the fact that as the, the the white American there that he's initially looked at with fear, but also like they've sort of checkmated him into like to where there's complete disinterest in him. And then he like actually has no power to actually change anything, even though he's got the gun and he's, you know, he's on the, the Humvee and all of that. And I, I think there's there, you can read a lot of like sort of, concern and him like putting things together as far as like i think like what you were saying about clooney having the speech like just putting into words like what do we do here i think you see more of that on the idiot character of conrad's face played by spike jones do you want to kill every arab that's what i was trained to do no that was not our training we got arab allies man yeah, well, we got Arab allies. So you don't want to kill every Arab? Well, not. He's just had no high school. No high school. Don't tell people that. What'd they say? Uh, he says, you have terrible haircuts. Troy <laughs> <laughs> gave me this haircut. It's a badass haircut. <laughs> yeah. I'd even forgotten, and this is, you know, spoiler alert uh, for for Three Kings. Um, I'd even forgotten, like, I was like, I think he dies. I don't know if he does, though. Maybe he lives. And then, so then they kill him. And I'm like, of course, you know, the one character that I actually would like to see make it through to the end, like through their entire evolving mission of what they do to to, to help, uh, uh, you know, their fellow man. That's the one who I'd, li- I'd like to see his face at the end, not necessarily Clooney's or uh, Mark Wahlberg's. Uh, I don't have anything against Ice Cube. I actually like the chief character because he seems to be pretty consistently practical as far as like dealing with the situation as it evolves and change. Um, but yeah, this, I've, as much as I want to really come down on, uh, 
David Russell, who is uh, completely canceled in 2019. Um, <laughs> I think that I think a lot of it, um, you know, when it came out, it seemed like this was a movie like kind of like American History X with uh, I think Tony Kay was the filmmaker's name and Edward Norton, where it's like. Yeah, this complete nut job uh, directing this movie, and the the you know the handsome actor is what sort of you know cobbled it together and made sure that uh, it was like uh, fit to movie standards. Uh, I, I felt like there was a lot of publicity sort of around Clooney with Three Kings as well, uh, but I still feel like that whatever weight he threw around um, did not make for uh, a great finished product. And I guess I can, I can lay blame at David Russell too, but, uh, yeah, this should have just been a spike Jones joint for me, I guess. So this is actually, so I guess the original screenplay of this was written by John Ridley and then, and then they handed it to, to a Russell who did like a page one rewrite. And, and so the, even the original concept wasn't really his own. Um, and I, and I think there is an element of, of the story being kind of hobbled together and them them like wanting to have this big grand uh, finish where, you know, where we show off these characters as being good guys and, and all that um, and make some sort of political message. What that is, I'm kind of confused on, uh, you know, I think. Like had there had there been a movie about the Gulf War uh, other than something like Courage Under Fire, where it was kind of a backdrop up to this mm. point, I, I don't, don't know. I don't it, know if there. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Courage Under Fire was the. Uh, I think was the the first. Was that ninety six? Yeah, that I sounds think, right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so I think maybe critics felt because uh, because there there hadn't really been a movie addressing uh, these geopolitical issues and everything, and so I think maybe critics felt pressed upon to to really enjoy this and it is good in a certain degree and i think seeing i think seeing the weaknesses and flaws in david o. russell's later movies it's easier to see them uh here whereas watching it uh not knowing that you you would kind of be you it's very tempting just to go along with the flow and, and enjoy yourself uh and and yeah i certainly was very entertained by it um, but I, yeah, I'm let down on the heavier themes of it. Yeah. It felt like, uh, let's see, what was he, was he coming off of flirting with disaster? Mm-hmm. I think at that point and spanking the monkey before that. So it's like, Oh, th- this, this guy is getting to, uh, you know, $40 million, uh, war comedy, uh, action adventure story. Um, and I'm guessing he was like, you know, if you expected like he was going to bring, if you liked flirting with disaster and he brought some of that to three Kings and then he sort of doubled back with I heart Huckabees. I don't really think you see any of that. Even the, the, the bits that you get in three Kings are in the, like the fighter or silver linings playbook, like uh, certainly joy, which I was not a, a fan of. Um, so yeah, he's not had the career that I guess people anticipated, uh, coming off of third gangs. The thing that I will say about him and, you know, no, no matter what experience it was like making the movie or, you know, or whatever, uh, he always does seem to get really interesting performances. Uh, and I'm not saying that the method that he employs to get there is good, uh, or even necessary. Uh, but I, but you know, there is a uniqueness to that. I think, uh, you brought up I heart Huckabees. I think Jude law, you know, has, has probably his finest moment. 
uh, you know, in that. Oh, oh, Brody really. That he really like, he's, him. <laughs> he's a fan of the holiday. He's a sorry. fan of the town that Mr. Ripley is what, you know. <laughs> there uh, we you go. Know, yeah, there. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, Jude Law, uh, per, Jennifer Lawrence, especially. I mean, she's great in Silver Lines Playbook and in American Hustle. Uh, and, and the fighter, I always forget about. Uh, the fighter, which which you know was sort of a comeback vehicle for him after the uh, after the failure of Iyer Huckabee's and the releasing of the behind the scenes footage and everything uh, that showed him fighting with Lily Tomlin, um, you know the fighter was, was seen as a big comeback of you know for him and and yeah that's a movie that's filled with good performances surrounded by. A okay, this is a very pretentious term, but I'm going to use it. Uh, a pretty pedestrian story, uh, and, and you know, those performances really elevate that to to, you know, to the level that it, that it gets to. Um, so you know, it's a shame. It's a shame. I, I, you know, I don't know. Like, is it society pushing these talented people to to, to think they have to be assholes in order to to have better cred? Uh, you, you know, like I don't really see. I don't really see what. David O. Russell gained uh, by letting his personal problems air out in front of, you know, uh, people on set the way he has. So do we have a, you know, do we get the uh, the other side of that? Do we get someone like a filmmaker? So I was like, Oh, that's the nicest guy to work with. Like that's, <laughs> he's the most decent, calm individual on there. I guess those just aren't sexy stories, but yeah, I think there's certainly, he probably at least then in 1999 was, trying to cultivate almost like a rock star, a certain image. Um, but yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't play 20 years later for sure. Or it, it plays in a different way, uh, as far as where that, that anger is, is directed. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can say that I'm just, I, I think this was the high point for me. Like I liked the fighter. I liked silver Lynx playbook to a certain extent, American hustle. But, um, I, I, I think then, uh, there was the expectation that, uh, you know, this this guy possibly was going to produce uh, some some great, genuinely great movies. And while I found them entertaining and enjoyable, you know, he's uh, he's just right there at that Sam Mendes level. Oh no! He's adequate. Boo! Boo! <laughs> That's not fair. Uh, he would he would kill to be at Sam Mendes's level. Literally, literally, I think he would. Um, and y- y- you know, uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, I definitely don't see him making any anything. Uh, big at this point um you know so uh it's kind of a shame and i guess it's a it's sort of a shame for three kings as well because i feel like if people come to this with too high of an expectation at this point they're likely to be disappointed but if if you're looking at it as sort of a more entertaining version of like catch 22 uh or whatever then i think you'll be satisfied I think it's fine. I think it's, I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, there was a certain point where three Kings may have been looked upon as like, Oh, that got lost in the shuffle of mm-hmm. like the, the great films in 1999. Um, and then, you know, there, there's, there's peaks and valleys as far as overrated or underrated. And, uh, this is one that, uh, yeah, it sounds like both of us are coming a little bit uh, underneath the, the hype, the hype that we set up for ourselves, strangely. Um, but yeah, I don't know where this one sits now. I don't think people revisit. I don't. I'm trying to think of war movies that aren't sort of already sort of sanctified as like uh, genuine classics. Like 
that people like go out of their way to revisit. I, I don't know what the uh, I mean, what's the most modern successful war film that you think is still kind of in the like the pop culture sort of lexicon? Well, I know people really liked uh, Fury uh, from a few years ago, and I, that seemed to really strike a chord with people. It seems to be movies that are about, you know, sacrifice and, and big ideas and everything. I think movies that are about more like esoteric intellectual ideas like, you know, Jarhead, where, you know, it's about this whole idea of getting people, getting a, getting men primed up for war and violence and then yanking that away and and having it replaced by technology you know it's a pretty that's a pretty out there idea for you know a mainstream audience to to latch on to uh and and, and you know they they certainly tried and like i said i think that movies age better on on video uh but i know the thin red line and saving private ryan still you know have good you know have fans and yeah i mean there's several really uh, strong war movies. I'm trying to think of ones that have a similar tone to Three Kings, and other than like Catch Twenty Two, I really can't. Um, can you? There was a there was the Brad Pitt movie uh, on Netflix that I eh. think attempted attempted this and like got <laughs> it was like uh, pre, I mean reviled. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a Netflix movie, so it's like it's really hard to gauge what's really like success or failure for them. Um, because everything they release has it's been a huge success for Netflix. Like According to Netflix, so many people. they are all successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought I actually just finally caught up with that one recently. And I'm like, oh, they were kind of going for like a Three Kings mm-hmm. vibe. And it uh, uh, just, just didn't work out. So uh, I don't know. It's a very small target for something like Three Kings, like totally like going for that. Uh, and I think for the most part, it works. Just, uh, yeah, it's just uh, hasn't aged as well as it did for me when I was when I was a teenager, but that's do, fine. Do you think the ideas specifically regarding uh, the U.S. involvement in the Middle East uh, have aged rather poorly? It struck me at times like the movie was making a case for interventionism in in the Middle East, mm. uh, and I, I I doubt that's what they intended. But don't you think it it plays like that at at points? It I mean it does. Um... Now it's a little bit easier to make that case when well, you've yeah. got <laughs> armed men already standing there and it's like innocent people being shot right in front of them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you uh, bring that out, then yeah, it is, it seems like it's making that case that, or at least promises were made that, uh, that we had no intentions uh, fulfilling and, uh, and people died because of it. Uh, I, I think it's making more of a case uh, against, you know, feeling proud necessarily of all the things that, you know, we've done for other countries when we really not only not having the follow through as far as the men on the ground or the people making those decisions, but also just the civilians having no follow through as far as uh, actually really looking into that or caring. You know, once once the, the production of war is over, uh, you know, how many people really are going to like want to see like what we did there, as, as Clooney says. So, um I don't know. I think that uh, <laughs> that's another thing that you you could probably like. There's probably an ebb and flow as far as how people feel uh, politically, as far as uh, what what should or should not be done uh, in that particular situation. I think that in the last what at least decade or more, it's been about like sort of untangling and like trying to get ourselves out of things uh, is more in favor than than definitely like pushing for sort of some sort of intervention. 
And there you have it. I think that's about 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 good, wouldn't you say, Dennis? That's about good. Just the, the just like Three Kings. It's about good, right there. It's around the area of good. All right, uh, I'm going to steal a clue that I think you gave me uh, earlier in this this production of Nine Nine for Nine Nine. I don't remember how you or what it was in reference to the the clue, uh, but I remember that you once gave uh, the title for another film, Paris, Texas, as a clue. To, to get me on the right course as far as what we're going to talk about next. And I think it's a pretty good one for this particular double feature we have on the next episode. Yeah. So, uh, uh yeah, that's pretty, pretty easy. Uh, so, <laughs> so the, and this is actually a two parter, correct? Where we're doing two movies that both take place in small towns where, where the, uh, uh where the, uh, first word in the title is the city. And, and then the next word is, is the state. And so this is Happy Texas and Mystery Alaska, both pretty small movies in 1999 that, that didn't really find an audience in theaters. Uh, but, uh, but according to Wikipedia are, you know, uh, cult classics. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and which yeah, a, a term it, which I think gets thrown around pretty liberally <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we also talked about, uh, few episodes back stigmata and stir of echoes releasing on the same day in Mm -hmm. september and so yeah happy texas and mystery alaska both choosing to open on october 1st 1999 so they made it easy for us to to put these these two together uh looks at small town life and i don't think this is gonna be a surprise to you ben these will both be first time watches for me oh really okay uh Mm -hmm. okay i would well yeah i guess it's not surprising Mystery Alaska is a first-time watch for me. Uh, I had fond memories of watching Happy Texas on TV where, uh, after it came out, uh, in, you know, probably in 1999 or 2000. I'm guessing that'll change. We'll see, though. We'll see. We'll uh, see. I'll keep I, you I in the suspense. Only, the only guarantee I think we can make is there probably won't be any references to Jarhead. <laughs> well, I'll try. Episode. I'll try. <laughs> I, I will surely try. That's, I, I see that as a challenge, Denison. <laughs> and if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99 99.